Okay, people, another episode of Just for Sport. Jamoke here. Hope you enjoyed the weekend. I know I did. Happy belated Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Hope you enjoyed your Sunday. Man, I enjoyed mine. Good time with family. And a really good, a really good sports weekend. We had a rom-com, as I started calling it last night, as John Rom won the U.S. Open due to a comedy of errors from what I thought was going to end up being like 10 players within a shot of winning the U.S. Open going into the last two holes. That, that I really thought that was what was going to happen. It was quite amazing and to see how many players fell off, including Bryson DeChambeau. Man, I mean, he was right there with Louis Wustazen. And then all of a sudden, he just fell apart. Rory McIlroy fell apart. John Rahm, who fell apart with a big lead at the Memorial a little over two weeks ago, he was just despondent, befuddled when he had to withdraw on the final day because he tested positive for COVID-19. And now he got to hold the U.S. Open trophy. It was amazing. But I, I you know, as I called it a rom-com, which I'll get into later, um, it just didn't end up being the final few holes that I was hoping for. In the National Basketball Association, two games, two teams that I thought would be gone eliminated the top two favorites, not just in the Eastern Conference throughout the the playoffs, but through the course of the season. I mean... Everyone was handing the Nets the trophy. The Sixers with the best record in the Eastern Conference. The number one seed. You thought that they would find themselves in the Eastern Conference Finals battling for the right to play in the NBA Finals. And instead, we've got the Atlanta Hawks, a a decent television market against the Milwaukee Bucks, which is not the biggest television market by any stretch of the imagination. I bring that up because, you know, financially, yeah, and ratings-wise, people may not watch this Eastern Conference Finals as much. They may not. And on the flip side, you've got the Suns and Clippers, which, wow, I mean... That's going to be an exciting Eastern Conference Finals, even without Chris Paul, without Kawhi Leonard. This is the first time in whatever stat they said on my favorite show on TNT since like 1984, I think, that there is no number one seed in the Eastern and Western Conference Final. The Clippers are ranked fourth. The Suns are the second seed. Atlanta's a fifth seed and the Bucks are the third seed. 
It's, and I think it's going to be a wild ride. Now, Phoenix, yes, they were really excited. They won game one. Devin Booker had his first career triple-double in the Western Conference Finals, which is amazing. It was like 40 points, 13 rebounds, 11 assists, I believe, was the number. I'm just trying to go off my head here. But the Clippers have been down 2-0 in every single round so far. They were down 2-0 to the Mavericks. They were down 2-0 to the Jazz, and they came back to win it. So I imagine and hope that Monty Williams, as he is talking to his team, he's saying, take it easy, slow down, don't get too excited, you won a game, let's try not to get excited until we win four and we get to the NBA Finals. Now I want Chris Paul to be able to play, I mean... As I mentioned in the last pod, I didn't like seeing him going up in the stands and hugging people and all of that stuff. Like, no, stick with the protocol. That's how you're going to stay healthy. And he didn't. And not everybody stuck with the protocol. It wasn't like he was the only one. But, you know, he's got coronavirus now. And he's got to go into protocol. And when he returns, Phoenix will breathe a sigh of relief. They need it. And for them, at the very least, they see an end in sight. For the Clippers with Kawhi, I don't know. It very may be a situation where he doesn't play again. So we'll see. We shall see. Yes, the Sixers have gone fishing. Bye-bye. The Hawks, I mean... Trey Young was really good, really good. But he they have a great supporting cast around him. And I don't even like to call it supporting cast. Just say they have a really good team. Kevin Herter, Fear the Turtle, played well. Danilo Gallinari. Clint Capella, who knew after he left Houston when they were like, "Uh, we can win without you. John Collins, who wore that awesome t-shirt of him dunking over Joel Embiid. The thing for me with the Sixers, you know, I often talk about that line, the difference between being courageous and arrogant and, and having some bravado And just, you know, just going a little bit over the top. And in some ways, I feel like Philly kind of does that. As a team, they've been elevated, maybe too high. You know, I felt for Doc Rivers to again lose in a game seven, which everybody was spotlighting, rightfully so. But it's sad because, as I've been saying for some time, and so have others, but I think there are others that defend him, Ben Simmons is not an all-star. In my mind, I wouldn't even say he is... You know, I, always don't, you know, I don't like when people say someone's a great player, and they've been using that too much. If you look at what he has done, not even in the NBA... You look at what he did in college. He couldn't lift up LSU. 
too much hype goes to players before it's even earned. And I feel like an exact case of that is Ben Simmons. I mean, come on. You all saw the stats. The way he was playing in the fourth quarter of multiple games, multiple games. Game one through seven, he was three for three in the fourth quarter. He made two field goals in game one, one field goal in game three. That means, yeah, that's right. I said three for three. That means for game two, four, five, six, and seven, he had no shots. In game seven, if you didn't watch, he had maybe slightly contested, wide open layup or dunk, and he passes it to Matisse Theibel, who was quickly surrounded by two Hawks and fouled, and he made the free throw, so at least you still got two points. But it was ridiculous that he even had the ball in his hands because Ben Simmons should have scored there. He does not have the heart of a champion. It's all hype. He's a good player, Averaged just under 15 points during the regular season. But overall, to me, it's just too much hype. And yeah, you know, there's a couple people on social media, haha, always the people that never played the game that want to criticize. It's like, nah, you just look at the stats. Just look at the stats. I think he should be up there in points or assists or rebounds or the fact that he doesn't really take jumpers. Heck, maybe he should be up there with field goal percentage with some of the forwards and centers. I just don't think he has much of a game. Even defensively, I didn't see him changing the game. That's my thing. You can say, oh, well, he's he's really good defensively. He, I mean, I guess I'll give you that. But unless you're like Dennis Rodman defensively and getting ridiculous rebounds, I just don't see all-star. That's my thing. And I was disappointed in the game when you needed him to really shine He just couldn't shine. He just couldn't. The last three games, he had five points, six points, and eight points. He only made two field goals in each one of those games. And even if you wanted to say, oh, well, he had assists. Okay, he had 13 assists in game seven. But the game before that, he only had five, and then he had nine, and then nine, and then seven in his last five. He's got some things in his bag, but overall, I think he's overrated. I think he's overrated. And now the Sixers have to find a way to regroup. They got to find a way to regroup. In the other Eastern Conference semifinals, the Milwaukee Bucks beat the Brooklyn Nets. Now, Giannis was Giannis, 
But as I sit back and look at the Brooklyn Nets season, they may say they have a big three, but it's a brittle three as well. Injuries continue to plague the Nets. Now, I'll admit several other players didn't show up in this series. Joe Harris wasn't quite the same. You thought you would get more out of him? At least I did. I thought we would. He was a three-point specialist that just couldn't find a way to shoot threes towards the end. Jeff Green was hurt for part of the series. James Harden was hurt. There was a lot that didn't go right with the Nets this year. And maybe they'll be back next year. Bruce Brown, oh my gosh, I don't even want to talk about him when when they had a chance to beat the Bucks. I don't remember, what was that, game ooh, game three? He was taking the last shots, like, what are you doing? No. Blake Griffin was good. He was decent. But there was something that just seemed off. Landry Shamit wasn't really what you probably thought he would be. Kevin Durant showed up. But he was tired. I was really sad and upset. I mean, the whole funny thing about his feet are too big because if he had hit that shot to send it to overtime, if his feet were a little smaller, he would have been behind the three-point line. I think he was gassed. And that coaching staff was not... I mean, look, okay, it's it's tough for me to, anybody can kind of like be a armchair quarterback, so to, see, so to speak. But on that coaching staff, you had eight assistant coaches. And none of them thought to call a timeout in overtime to give Durant some rest. That's why I felt like they really failed. Kevin Durant and the Nets. A lot of former Spurs on this uh, coaching staff. But that's where I feel like they failed the Nets. They failed. And now we're going to get four teams that are exciting to watch. Two teams that have never won an NBA Finals. And two that it's been a minute, a few decades... We'll see how it goes. It's going to be fun. You know, I feel like in many sports, we're kind of seeing new stories, different kinds of, um, what's the word I want to use? Not Cinderella stories, but just stories you just don't expect, I guess is what I want to say. And good stories. Some of them are good stories. Speaking of good story, the rom-com, John Rom won the U.S. Open. Now, I'm not going to act like I watch golf a lot and 100% understand it. But yesterday, I was really, I mean, I understand golf, but like understand why you could watch for eight hours, four days straight, golf, 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 golf. But I appreciated it 
a lot more yesterday. Texted a good friend, friend of the show, was on the show, Tori, about how probably about 4 o'clock as the leaders were on the course, not so, not quite midway through, but it seemed like probably at one point there were maybe 14 players within three shots of the lead. And I was just hoping that by the time we got to the 15th or 16th hole, there were still 10 that were in striking distance. And there just weren't. And that was really unfortunate because I was hoping, I was hoping that we would see some crazy drama. But I guess you could also say, you know, once it got down to about nine holes, yeah, there was some drama. Players started uh, having a comedy of errors. Louis Wustazen, I think it was the 16th hole. Hit it out of bounds when John Rahm was already done and in the tent and watching what else was going to unfold. Louis Wu stays and folded. Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, they all folded. I thought I liked my line rom com. I mean, it's pretty cool. It was pretty cool to see him hit the big shot on 18th for Birdie to go up one. I mean, you couldn't have written his story better. Bryson DeChambeau shoots an eight over 44 on the back nine. He went from being a leader midway through, maybe even through, I think, 12 holes, to being tied for 26. Back-to-back bogeys, followed by a double bogey on the 13th, and a quadruple bogey eight on the 17th. That's where it was. Man. Of course, Bryson had to try to act like that wasn't a big deal. He said, I didn't quote, I didn't go off the rails at all. It's golf, end quote. Nah, not when you shoot eight over on one hole. No, you can't say that. You saw it slipping away and you just lost it. You lost it and that's okay. I think it's okay if he had just said, you know what? Yeah, you know, I just, I thought I could maybe make a comeback, but then, you know, on the 17th, everything just all unraveled. Mackenzie Hughes, Russell Henley. They all just kind of faded. And John Rahm rose to the top. It was good. It was fun to watch. And you can't help, especially on the Father's Day. He had his little one there. His wife was there. That was pretty cool. If Louis Wustazen had a one, that would have been neat because I think he would have been the third oldest to win the U.S. Open in a very, very long time at that. But in the end, John Rahm pulled it out. He pulled it out. Man, I just wanted to see, because I've never experienced that. And if, even if for you, the golfers out there, you probably never experienced that either where you had going in maybe to the last final three holes 
10 people that were within two or three shots of the leader. And that would have been cool. They had to go into some ridiculous playoff. But it was not to be. It was not to be. I did enjoy it though. I will admit that. Like it was it was fun to watch. It was fun to watch. What I will be watching in the next stage is the 2020 European Championships. I only want to watch if it's one and done. I've been trying to watch the group stage and I don't like it. I don't like teams where I feel like they're trying to play for a tie. Resting players, which is funny because, you know, I talk about basketball and load management and it seems like soccer does that a lot too. Knockout stage, that's when it's worth watching. That's when it's worth watching. All right, that'll do it for Just for Sport. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your sports. I know I will. Ciao for now.